BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank. Be bold. Venture wisely. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Adi Bolaños in San Francisco. A pair of bills signed over the weekend by Governor Gavin Newsom will require large companies in California to be more transparent about their contributions to climate change and the risks they face as a result. KQED's Dana Cronin explains. One of the new laws requires California companies making $500 million a year or more to publicly disclose their climate-related financial risk and the steps they're taking to mitigate it. Caitlin Rodner-Sutter is with the Environmental Defense Fund and helped draft the legislation. She says this helps the public understand climate-related risks to things like a company's infrastructure, supply chains, and employees. And we know those risks are getting more and more acute with wildfire and extreme heat and flooding. And so having this information available on climate risk is really, really important. Billion-dollar companies are also required to disclose their greenhouse gas emissions. For the California Report, I'm Dana Cronin. Governor Newsom was busy signing and vetoing a number of bills over the weekend. One bill that will not move forward is legislation that would have limited the price of insulin for customers. The bill would have banned insurance companies from charging more than $35 for the hormone. In his veto, the governor cited the state's plan to produce its own low-in-cost insulin. He said the vetoed proposal would still pass down long-term costs to consumers in the form of higher premiums. The bill's author, State Senator Scott Weiner of San Francisco, called this a setback for thousands of diabetic Californians. Governor Newsom has until October 14th to either approve or veto legislation on his desk. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as like the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, it was always KQED. 
And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. As workers across industries walked off the job during this remarkable year of strikes, one union in California won big in its fight for childcare providers. KQED's Daisy Wynn introduces us to the organizers behind this movement, largely led by immigrants and women of color. When Nancy Harvey opened a daycare out of her West Oakland home, she wanted to give kids in her neighborhood a high-quality preschool. She was up for the challenge, but what she wasn't prepared for was the low pay and lack of benefits. I had come out of corporate. I had also worked in the school system. And a retirement plan was essential for anyone that worked a job. And I couldn't understand how this very valuable industry did not have that. Home-based child care providers like Harvey are small business owners. They basically work for themselves. But because many of them receive public funding for serving lower-income families, their salary depends on reimbursements from the state. For years, they complained they were making so little that they themselves qualify for public assistance. Most of the workforce are women of color and immigrants, two groups whose domestic work have historically been undervalued. It spoke pretty loudly as to what folks really thought of child care providers. We were just folks that they could use and not necessarily think about our well-being and our future. So when a union rep knocked on Harvey's door to pitch unionizing as a strategy to improve pay and gain benefits. I said, sign me up. It took two decades of organizing, a lot of it during nap time when these providers could catch a break, before Child Care Providers United won the right to collectively bargain. Then, when Harvey and other providers got ready to negotiate with the state, the pandemic hit. It was at that point that people really recognized that fact that, hey, this industry is important. We have set them aside long enough, and we can't do that. In the first contract, they got the state to set aside money for health care, training, and some pandemic relief. This past year, they spent nights and weekends bargaining for the second contract. Patricia Moran runs a daycare from her home in San Jose. She says the negotiations sometimes went late into the night. I remember I slept like two hours because in my daycare, some parents, they're bringing the children at five o'clock in the morning. I need to be ready. I was like, okay, I'm going to sleep. Maybe, maybe no. (laughs) Maybe I'm going to stay awake. Thousands of providers also traveled by busloads to Sacramento to rally. That organizing paid off. Last month, the state finalized a landmark deal, $2 billion to give them their largest pay raise to date and launched the nation's first retirement plan for unionized childcare workers. 
It helped that a record number of women in the legislature made child care funding a priority. State Senator Nancy Skinner chairs the Legislative Women's Caucus. She says it was a necessity because many child care programs permanently closed after the pandemic. So we just saw this collapse that affected not only families, obviously, and the little kids that that really deserve good child care, but also affected California's employers and our economy. But perhaps the biggest victory is that they got the state to fundamentally change the way it pays providers of subsidized child care so that they'll get closer to earning a fair wage, whether they're in the union or not. Brandy Jones Lawrence is a senior analyst at UC Berkeley's Center for the Study of Child Care Employment. It's really a huge step forward in terms of equity when you think about who our workforce is. Um, It's also a huge step forward in our commitment to systemic reform. As for providers like Harvey, she says she's ecstatic about the changes and hopes child care workers in other states will follow in her union's footsteps. I can't think of anybody else that deserves it better than, than more than child care providers. At 61 years old, she says she now feels more secure about retiring in a few years. For The California Report, I'm Daisy Nguyen in Oakland. And that's The California Report for Monday, October 9th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Support for The California Report comes from Stanford Medicine, comprising its School of Medicine and Adult and Children's Health Systems, working together to advance knowledge and improve lives. StanfordMedicine.org. Paint Care. Now, with more than 850 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute, advancing the frontiers of ocean science, exploration, and discovery. On the web at schmidtocean.org. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find the link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hi there, I'm Randadid Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.